Good morning. It's Sunday, June 24th, 2018, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on In the Wheelhouse, Tom and I reveal our votes for the American League All-Stars. We ask what it is that Bartolo Colon has that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa don't. We'll talk about Mike Trout, Hunter Strickland, Ichiro Suzuki, and as always, the Chicago Cubs. Tom, how are you doing? Well, at this early hour, Leo, I'm about 67%. Yeah, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for going a little early. I really do appreciate it. As I'm in Cincinnati with my daughter, visiting my parents, and we're going to go see the Cubs play the uh, the Reds uh, today on Sunday. Hopefully, they'll be able to salvage one of these four games. So you have th- you have three kids, and this is the one that's the baseball fan, right? This is the one that's a baseball fan. This is the one who actually enjoys it. You know, she'll sit there and watch it with me. She asks questions. Anthony Rizzo is her favorite player. Nice. She made she made a sign. You know, we're going to go down. We got really good seats. So I'm really excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I so. think you and the other seven people that will be at the game, um, <laughs> you know, should really keep your banter down. You don't want to disrupt the players on the field. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's not going to be – well, we'll see what it is. You know, a lot of Cubs fans come down. Uh, Reds fans don't attend like they used to, and it's no. a little disappointing. Hopefully the, the three wins by the Reds might bring a few of them out because uh, baseball needs the Reds, and they need the Reds to be good. So uh, have you been watching the World Cup? I, I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out, of, out of work right now and in, in between jobs, and so I've watched almost every, almost every World Cup game. Wow. Yeah. Well, yesterday Germany – produced one of the biggest wins I'd ever seen. I went back and looked at the highlights. I didn't watch the game live, but for them to be playing a man down and to come back and get the winning goal, I mean, they had, what, five, ten seconds? There was, I think, uh, I watched the game. That was the best World Cup, maybe the best soccer game I've ever seen, going back to the U.S. women's, who have also produced some great games. But, uh, yeah, I think there was seven or eight seconds left with what, was known as the extra time. That's the part that I'm still confused when they say there's four or five minutes left. You just don't know exactly what it, how much time is left. But it, on the clock, it appeared that there was about eight seconds, seven to eight seconds left in extra time when just the most inexplicable goal occurred. When It was almost like a, a set drop kick where you had a place yeah. kicker like in the NFL hold the ball for the guy to put it in the three hole to use the hockey vernacular. Um, it was just spectacular and, and, and the unbelievable pressure on the, the defending champion uh, German ball squad. No, it was a great win, even though I'm not a big fan of Germany. They've eliminated, they've eliminated Argentina the last three world cups and Argentina looks terrible. It's a real tragedy. You know, Messi looks old. They yep. look unprepared. And yep. Yep. The New York Times is talking about why Argentina's been failing. It, it, it's not been a good World Cup. No, it's so not. So let's move on. Let, let, let's just go to baseball. At least this will cheer me up a little bit. <laughs> and I want to begin with uh, I want I'll begin with our picks for the American League All Stars. Sure. I think it's uh, coming up, and next week we'll do the National League. But let's uh, go right to it, and we'll start with first base. Who did you uh, select? Uh, at first place, uh, this was a really tough decision because I believe the big vote getter is Jose Abreu. Um, it is, but Mitch Moreland's having a better season. 
Um, well, just I, from a win above replacement. And that's kind of how I made my decisions this year was, and I didn't go who are probably going to be elected. You asked me to pick who I think are the all-stars. And I think Mitch Moreland has had an extraordinary uh, campaign. I, I agree that Moreland is having a comparable season. He's better. Yeah. In terms of wins and local placements and all that stuff. But, but I went with a Brayu give, give a, uh, give a Chicago White Sox player a chance to go. <laughs> that would be you the, know. that's the only guy that could make the team quite frankly. So, yeah, exactly. All right. So let's move on to second base. Uh, who did you go with? Second base. This is a slam dunk. It's a, it's Altuve of Houston. However, yeah. next year, it's not going to be his uh, completely because I do believe Torres on the Yankee team is going to, uh, is going to push him hard, but Altuve is as good of a slam dunk in this list as, you know, there's a couple other players, but Altuve's right up there. Well, he doesn't have the power numbers that Torres has, but uh, and, and but he has a way I think better if Torres average. Had, he has a way better average. I think if Torres played the whole year, if he hadn't been brought up so much later, he might be uh, he might win it out. He might have gotten my vote. But you're right, uh, Altuve is the stronger choice. So, so who did Short you stop? Oh, stop I went with uh, I went with Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Okay, all right. I, I I'm good with that. No, again, I mean we're we're sort of picking the same players here. But uh, Andrelton Simmons, I think, has, uh, you know, you could make a case for him. And, uh, you know, I, but again, I mean, it's interesting. There's not, you know, Machado stands out as certainly for the average. But uh, I don't know. There's just not a lot of great, you know, there's not a lot of great players apart from maybe Gregorius. No, Gregorius was my second selection. It's just that Machado's win above replacement is is significantly higher than Gregorius's at this very moment anyways. All right, uh, third base. Uh, I went with uh, I went with the gentleman from Cleveland, Ramirez, yeah. Jose Ramirez, who's having one of the best seasons by a third baseman in history. Yes. He keeps up. He'll have the first plus ten wins above replacement season ever. And moving on to catcher, no, wait, so so let me just oh, let me weigh oh, in sorry. on that. I'm sorry. So ro- sorry, I picked man. Ramirez sorry. too. It's important to note Ramirez is five point zero. Uh, win above replacement is only next to Mike Trout, who we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But Ramirez is also a slam dunk position uh, pick at third base. No, he, he he's definitely uh, he's definitely slam dunk. It's a no brainer. All right, moving on to catcher. You know, the American League doesn't have a lot of uh, good candidates here. You know, I, I decided to go with Wilson Ramos. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of the best of a mediocre group. So you know? you're hundred percent right. Ramos, uh, uh, beats out, uh, Sanchez on the Yankees. Sanchez would be the pick if it wasn't for his one fifty eight batting average, but he, he, uh, uh, he's, he's good really at everything else, but Ramos, uh, is, is a better win above replacement pick. Your right catcher is pretty weak. Um, and, uh, I went with Ramos as well. All right, so a designated hitter. Again, I think there's one sort of resounding choice, and you and I have been pretty much in lockstep all throughout this process, but I went with J.D. Martinez. Yeah, the Tigers made a huge mistake in letting this guy go, in my opinion, because he is young and he is somebody that you could build a, a, a future uh, you know, championship-type team around. Martinez was head and shoulders the number one DH in the American League. Well, I mean, and, and, and again, if they'd kept Martinez, if they'd kept Verlander, they, they might be leading the national, the American League Central right they now. They might. You're right. All right. So so moving on to the outfield, I, I, I'm going to begin with uh, Mookie Betts in Boston. Yep. Uh, as much as I hate to vote for Red Sox, right. 
uh, he's absolutely deserving of the, you know, of the, of the honor. And then um, let's see, I went with, uh, uh, I went with Eddie Rosario as one of nice. those. It was sort of an off pick. I don't know if you went no. with him. And then my final one is, is the absolute no brainer. It's Mike Trout, Mike Trout. You can't, how do you have a game without inviting? My, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. He's one of the best players in baseball history. Um, so yeah. I went with judge Betts and trout, um, just as a, kind of a power, um, murderers row there. Betts was the guy that was, <laughs> um, was the weakest, obviously of those three to me, because judges judges not having a sophomore slump season. He's actually doing quite well. Um, and, um, I did, I thought going into this season that, um, that Stanton might out Homer judge. I think I'm going to be wrong about that, that one as well. I think judge will have the most home runs on a team. That's going to have maybe five or six players with more than 20 home runs. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be, well, they're going to be like the Cubs were in uh, 2016 or or last year in 2017. All right. So let's get to the news around the league. And uh, I want to begin with uh, big sexy. uh, You and I are both huge fans of Bartolo Colon. He just passed Juan Marichal for most wins by a pitcher from the Dominican Republic. He needs only two more to surpass Dennis Martinez for the most wins by a pitcher from a Latin American country. But, you know, my brother-in-law, I was talking to him about this. And he made a really good point. You know, he, he kind of disparaged Cologne for using the PEDs. And that's something that I think Cologne kind of gets a pass on. But here he is out distancing some great, great players. And yet uh, he's been using PEDs. Why don't we get mad at Cologne in the same way that we get mad at uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and uh, and other guys who use PEDs? So th- that's an interesting and a, and a valid question. But I think if you break down what um, Cologne was busted for, which was uh, in 2011 or 12 for test- testosterone, it's not the same thing yeah. as steroids. Um, and, if, and I'm not trying to give uh, him a pass, but – Cologne kind of quietly owned it and moved on. And I think that's part of the reason why he gets the pass. He didn't, he didn't, he never, in fact, I don't think he's ever made a public comment about the subject. Um, And and so he did his 50 game suspension and uh, you know, he's uh, waddled his way back into the major leagues uh, (laughs) with uh, quite a bit of success, quite frankly, when you, when you actually break down his numbers, which I did, uh, earlier this morning against Juan Marichal. Marichal <clears throat> is a clear Hall of Fame pitcher who yes, won yes. almost 100 games more than he lost. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that Bartolo is making a case for his own Hall of Fame um, only because he's very close to Jack Morris from a statistical standpoint. I think he needs to win another 10 games at the major league level, and then I think he'll get in like Morris did when he's, he's old and way fatter. <laughs> I also think, you know, and, and the him being so fat sort of plays into his favor on this issue. You know, he doesn't look like Bonds did. He doesn't have the same body like Clemens did. He doesn't throw 95 miles an hour. You know, he he gets by with a fastball that barely gets to be 87. Correct. But Correct. it just seems to move enough that he's able to put it where he wants to, and he's able to kind of gut these wins out. So, so yeah, I think that that's part of it. And 
And you also see how much his teammates love him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he, so I think that that's a big part. Yeah. It, it, so you're just right. one, a couple last things about him. So you're right. His attitude is part of this issue. I think the drug that he took is also part of the issue. It's not a, a standard steroid. I think he was trying to, um, uh, make his career go long you know he didn't I, I don't believe he touched this stuff until well past the uh right the prime right, of his career. right but did you know that he is the last active or last player that was on uh, that's active in the major leagues that was on the montreal expos wow wow so when he leaves ba- so he's when, got when he stay. leaves we baseball which will be soon there will be no more players from the. There will be no more former Montreal Expos. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, thanks for bringing that up. All right, so uh, everybody is talking about Mike Trout these days, and I guess we should too. He's on a roll, yeah. and for Mike Trout, that means he's just. I mean, you. I don't see why anybody would throw this guy a strike. Well, well you know, I, let's sorry. put it this way: if an injury was to occur to Trout today, or God forbid, he was to lose his life, he would immediately go into the Hall of Fame. That's that's yeah, how good yeah. this player is. And so to it say really that about bananas. a 27 or a 28-year-old man, that's extraordinary at this point in their career. Ba- basically what baseball is saying, or at least the, the great statisticians, is that he is on a Babe Ruth arc, meaning that no player, not even Mickey Mantle, who I've always you know used Mantle as, as – to index against Trout because he remind he, he physically he reminds me of Mickey Mantle in so many ways, but he's actually better than Mickey Mantle. I can't believe I'm even saying that. And at least statistically yeah. up to this point, and he hasn't. He had a rinky dink uh, injury a couple of years ago, but outside of that, he had, his knees are good, which are which are critical to his speed game. Um, he doesn't get the credit that if there's anything to be said about him is he doesn't get the credit for how good of a defensive player he is. But he's he's really no, you're right. he's baseball's best player to me, head and shoulders best player from a win above replacement standpoint. And it, you know, in the age of superlatives, you can't say enough things about the guy. I'm mean, good things about the guy. And and yet he toils in relative anonymity out in uh, California. Nobody, I mean, fans don't really flock to him i mean the writers talk about him because the writers understand how great he is but but you know you and i do but but i would say your general average fan is not very interested in what mike trout is doing do you think he'll resign with the angels i think that what you're going to see is what happened with reggie jackson when he was on the oakland a's in the mid-70s and that is the yankees are going to try to poach him and 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 make him the highest paid paid player ever, which would be warranted. Make no mistake about it. He needs to yeah, be yeah. the highest paid player that ever uh, put on cleats and and stepped into a, a major league field. But I think the Angels, who have a very interesting owner, uh, will do everything in their in their ability to keep Mike Trout there. I just worry because he's from Jersey um, that that. Uh, that, the, that either the Mets or the Yankees are going to make a strong push for him. Hmm. All right. So uh, Hunter Strickland yeah. from the San Francisco Giants joins Madison Baumgartner to be the latest member of the San Francisco Giants to self-inflict an unnecessary injury when he broke his hand punching the clubhouse wall. And I'm thinking, you know, Tom, do we need to start padding major league clubhouse walls? I mean, yeah. Yeah. We, 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 the fact is, is that we need to pad some of these walls for other reasons, but, but, but the reality <laughs> is this is not unique 
to to these guys or to this time because if you go back in the history of baseball, many players have, have shortened their seasons by punching walls. Uh, most notably, as a Tiger fan, uh, Al Kaline did it in 1967 and basically was out for the rest of the year prior to them winning the World wow. Series. So this is not the first – you know, you're talking about athletes. Some of these guys are not the smartest guys in the world. And so um, – it kind of just reminds me of, of the problems that we had with Zambrano uh, going back about 10 years ago where he, he avoided injury, even though almost everything else in his wake did not uh, <laughs> with his little temper tantrums. And I, and I just think yeah. that this is, this is a part and parcel uh, to, to athletes. I, you know, I, I think it happens in football way worse. And I just think, that this is just one of those times where uh, Hunter Hunter wishes he could have that one back. <laughs> yeah, he does. All right, so uh, Ichiro Suzuki pulled a Bobby Valentine. Now, Ichiro is a member. He's like a coach, but he's a coach who doesn't have the privilege of being allowed to sit in the dugout. So what he did was he put on a disguise. Right. He got a hoodie. He got sunglasses. He got a fake mustache, and he sat in the dugout. And I don't know if the, the Mariners are going to get in trouble for this or if he's going to get in trouble. I hope he doesn't. Because it's absolutely, I mean, it's, you, if you can't let Ichiro Suzuki sit in a clubhouse, then I don't know what we're doing here, you know, but, uh, but uh, I just thought it was kind of funny. I, I think it is funny, but I'm telling you right now, we've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, I'm slightly concerned about him. And that is, I, I think that, that he, first of all, he hasn't officially retired, and I don't think in his mind yeah. that he is retired. I think that he wants to play in that series that opens up next year in Japan, that, that in Seattle, Japan, I think right, he wants right. to be in those games and that may have something to do with it. But I think that there's a much larger picture here. And that goes back to that great article we, we referenced earlier in right, the season yeah. where he is absolutely obsessed with, with baseball. And I'm, I'm just slightly worried about the guy to be honest. It's funny what he, I am it's too. funny what he did, but, but I, but I just think that, Ichiro, at some point, you've just got to let it go. And, and I don't know what it is that he needs to do to be involved in the game of baseball moving forward so that he's actually out on the field smelling the grass and the dirt and all that stuff. But I think he needs to be something, in, you know, maybe he needs yeah. to be a major league yeah. umpire. I don't know. But, but, but he, he needs to be in the game some way, somehow, because I worry about the guys. Yeah, he really does. And I think he'd be a great umpire. That's actually a great idea. All right, so the Philly, a Phillies fan was injured by the Philly fanatic. What happened? A Philly fanatic was shooting hot dogs out of a cannon and, and hit someone okay. in the face, which, again, you could go many different ways off on this subject, just, just this, this thought of it. But I'm always worried about these, in seriousness, about the, the cannon stuff, like with the T-shirts, which I know is soft, but I see it at, once in a while you see it at Wrigley Field. You see it really big in the NBA. The NBA is the one that almost ever because they're so much closer. Well, but they, yeah. from a marketing standpoint, and, and the NBA is all over this kind of stuff. And I've often worried when you know it reminds me of that time where that uh, I believe that Cleveland Browns player was hit with a flag by uh, an umpire, and it ended his career. Um, it, but, oh yeah, no, that's right. It hit him in yeah, the eye or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and so. Was, so yeah, I'm just, yeah. the, you know, and there's no comparison here of getting hit with a flag and getting out. Which again, you could go many different ways with that. But the fact of the matter is, I is it going to be a, knowing the Philly fans? I'm surprised that the Philly fans didn't just take the fanatic and just beat him to a pulp. Uh, but I see, I smell a lawsuit, Leo. I really do. <laughs> as, as do I. Maybe you want to put that fan in touch with uh, maybe a lawyer. You might. Yeah, know, yeah. You know, but. 
All right, so uh, what happened to Hanley Ramirez? This is really so. Odd. So the, all the facts haven't come out, so I, I, we have to be careful of how we kind of couch this subject. But apparently, a drug runner was busted in Massachusetts with, I believe, unbelievable amounts of fentanyl uh, and other things. And um, in his vehicle um, was um, a phone that was connected somehow to Hanley Ramirez. And while this guy was busted, while he was busted, he actually got Hanley Ramirez on the phone. And, And either Ramirez either owned the car that the guy was driving, but he somehow connected in what it could be a major drug ring that would put him in prison maybe for the rest of his life. So do, do, do you think that the Red Sox knew about this when they released him? The Red Sox are claiming that it was, that it was a baseball decision that they made. However, the information that came out was right co- coincided with his release. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. hard to say that it wasn't maybe the, th- the straw that broke his back, but the Red Sox are claiming um, that, that they made a baseball yeah. decision, and that was it. Well, I, I, I just hope it works out for yeah. him, but uh, this, is, this is bad. This is very bad. All right, so uh, moving on to the Cubs. It's really been it's been ecstasy and agony oh, yeah. for the Cubs. They take two or three from the Dodgers. They should have swept that series against the Correct. Dodgers. But, uh, but Morrow uh, was on the deal where he was injured. Yeah, and, and, and now they brought- So I just want to talk about that for one second because it, it, it enraged me. As you know, I sent you a text message saying, yeah, you know, give, give me the head of, uh, of, of Madden. What we as fans did not know, and this is where I think it was really bad on the Cubs to not release that information immediately about Morrow. Morrow, by the way, started warming up in the eighth inning of that first game because that, that, I was watching the game. And so, huh. and so he started warming up, and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is Madden doing? And granted, I was doing things in the house. I wasn't completely paying attention to the game. And so when they brought in junkie Justin Wilson, I mean, the guy – and I know his batting average that he's against is only 196. He, he's actually got fairly decent stats, but I'm telling you, he is terrible. He is this year's version of Grimm. Um, and, and to put wow. it, well, I know, I know I'm, I'm being harsh, but I was so upset that that was a winnable game that, and I threw right. all of it on Madden. And the reality was that was completely wrong. Madden, Madden did what he had to do because Morrow was unavailable. Hey Cubs, right. tell the world, don't, don't, because yeah. every fan on Twitter was like, bring me the head of, of Joe, you know, Madden has completely lost his mind. No, he didn't. He did what he had to do because he, Morrow was not available. Yeah. Tell us. That's all you have to do is tell us. Well, he did say later on that he didn't tell anybody or they didn't tell anybody because he didn't want the Dodgers to know necessarily that Morrow was or wasn't available. He didn't want to give the Dodgers an advantage, but, but you're right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. You're right. I mean, but they do bounce back. They win the second game of what was a doubleheader and then they win a great game, I guess on Wednesday, which was, uh, and everybody was talking about how it was just one of the best defensive games the Cubs turned in all year. No doubt about it. You know, Hayward made a tremendous throw. Baez made a great defensive play. You know, uh, it it was just, it was tremendous. You really love to see that. And Madden had a great line. He said, Renaissance chicks dig the, they dig the leather, which I thought was And and also to add to that, thank God for John Lester. Uh, John Lester, we didn't have John Lester. I'm pretty sure we would be uh, middle middle of the road because our starting pitching, as we're about to talk about once they hit Cincinnati, is, is, is suspect. There's no other way of saying it. Um, But on that night, Lester was magnificent. 
I mean, there's just no other way. And and Schwarber, Schwarber hit his 14th home run. Uh, he's you know he's since hit so, uh, more one or two more. So Schwarber, yeah. Schwarber's really doing well. So there was a lot to be happy about with the Cubs at the midway point. But then they then they you know it was uh, WCRAP in Cincinnati. Yeah, no, it was really awful. I mean, uh, and 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 a lot of these problems they're having with both the the bullpen and the starting rotation. You know, they've managed to kind of wallpaper over yes. them over the last few weeks, but, but those cracks in the wall are showing sure. now, especially in Cincinnati, they had to start Luke Farrell the other day and he was getting knocked around and then they bring in Dunsing and he gets, he gives up a, a grand slam to the pitcher, right. you know, on a three, two count with the, you know, it was just, I mean, it, it's difficult and it's certainly being here in Cincinnati and watching all these Reds fans sort of go out of their minds is sort of hard, but you know, they'll get through. I agree. I, think, I uh, agree. Uh, but I thought it was hilarious yesterday that Jimenez or Jimenez uh, closed the game. Yeah. Our backup catcher closed <laughs> out the game and almost got by Votto. But as soon as Votto got to the plate, I'm like, there's no way he's not hitting this 80 mile an hour stuff out of the park. And he did. Um, and he absolutely and, did. And the, yeah. and the catcher that was struck out by Jimenez should be ashamed of himself, quite frankly. <laughs> Uh, so, so it's funny. I, I thought yesterday was almost kind of a comedy, and and it was perfect. Uh, in in you know uh, one of the uh, dows of Sparky is if you're going to lose, lose by ten runs. Don't lose by one run. You know, and that that was a perfect example of of Sparky's Anderson's uh, view on the way to lose a baseball game uh, yesterday. <laughs> and the other funny thing is that Cubs fans, you know, as a species, love to panic. They're always worried about what's the thing, what is the thing that's going to do us in yeah, in the end? Yeah. How is it all going to come crashing down? And, uh, and, and so, you know, everybody panics. And, and you just got to, I mean, what the Cubs themselves as a team do better than anybody is they get up off the mat better than anybody. You know, they really, they don't let these things worry them or bog them down. They're going to get their pitchers back. Darvish should be back better than ever. And, and you know, I, that's my hope anyway. Yep. And I think they, they'll come out of this okay. You, you know, you're spot on. The reality is is that uh, the, the, the Cubs fans are mad about the Cubs, but they should be mad about you, you Darvish. Because if the Cubs would have had a even slightly above average you Darvish, they would be in first place right now and coasting along. And so he's really kind of the difference. And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about Hendricks, who, who has been not having a great year, and he it seemingly can't get out of the fourth or fifth inning. But, but I'm not overly worried about the Cubs right now. I think once no. we get to towards the end of July, early August, and if they're still kind of sputtering along, then I think that's a different story. But if you remember last year, they're, they're still four or five games better than they were last year at this point, and they really caught fire in the second half. And they've caught fire yeah, in the second the, half yeah. the last two or three seasons. That seems to be the Madden's uh, – mo with with his team as far yeah. as you know he looks at this kind of like a boxing match or a horse race that you know this is the early you don't want to burn your players out so sometimes you're screaming at Madden, why don't you do this why and and all he's doing is resting his players because it's a long season yeah no he understands that and that's what's good and that's really that even if you go back to 2015 they caught fire after the all-star right. break now of course a lot of that had to do with jake arietta being you know uh, the second coming of bob gibson but uh you know but anyway, all right, so uh, the, let's go to today in baseball. All right. We've got a few for you. All right, so um, on June 18th, 1961, Eddie Goodell, he died. The <laughs> Illinois native, right. the three foot seven yep, Illinois yep. native. Uh, he had been, he died of a heart attack, but he had been beaten up 
uh, somebody followed him home from a Chicago area bowling alley. Oh my God. And uh, he got, yeah, he was assaulted, but they said it was a heart attack. But what's interesting is Bob Kane, who was the tiger pitcher who issued the walk right. to Goodell, right. was the only person, uh, the only player to attend his funeral. Well, I, I, I know that issue. later that night, baseball had a half a moment of silence for him. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. All right, now this one you're going to know. This one you're going to remember. And June 21st, 1970, Cesar Gutierrez goes seven for seven. I listened to that game. That's why I was hoping you would know this. Yeah. Even though the man finished his career with a 235 lifetime batting average, he had one great day in the sun in an extra inning game. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was And also, in that game, if I'm not mistaken, they were all singles. All single hits, not... No, they were all they were. It was six singles. Oh, okay, all right, six singles. Okay, but I, I, as so. a little kid, I couldn't because uh, Ernie Hartwell was making reference like, "Hey, this guy's, you know, this this basically weak hitting player is is onto something here." And and so there was extra listeners for that sixth and seventh hit that he got because once he was at five hits, oh, absolutely, Hartwell started talking about the fact that hey, he's five for five. That's a very unusual thing. So uh, this one is kind of interesting, and this has to do with the Reds. On June 22nd, 1947, Ewell Blackwell, okay, in his previous start, he'd pitched a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, because he's a member of the Cincinnati Reds and only nine years earlier, Johnny Vanderbeer, right. a left-handed pitcher, yep. had, had, had pitched consecutive no-hitters. Only time, so only between, time in baseball history. Exactly. So after Blackwell throws his first no-hitter, all the reporters are asking him, "Hey, are you going to do what? Are you going to do what Johnny Vandermeer did? Come on, you will tell us what are you going to do." And he said, and he always regretted saying this. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to throw another no hitter. That's right." And sure enough, he goes out there against the Dodgers at Crosley Field, and he pitches a no hitter until the ninth inning with one out, <laughs> and then Eddie Stanky singles straight up the middle, and he Blackwell. I read this in the Donald Honig Reader. Blackwell says he always regretted kind of boasting about it, about saying that he was going to do it, predicting that he was going to do it, because he really felt that he had a chance of repeating Vandermeer's feat, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah, so, so that, that's an interesting uh, story there, but that's not unique, because lots of pitchers that have thrown no-hitters have come back in their second start and have been just as dominating, because they're in that same rhythm. This is not unusual. If you go back and look uh, over the course of all the perfect games and no-hitters, I'll bet you you could find another four or five examples where pitchers went relatively late into that next game. And I think it's because they, they're, they're just on fire at that, and that moment, and uh, that's, it's too bad. I, I would love to see back-to-back no-hitters. I think it would be great for baseball. You know, that's, that is interesting, and maybe you could assign one of our interns to go research that. I'll get right on that. And um, this is the last one. We still have a little bit of time. Yep. I'm going to throw this one in because this one's for you, and you'll remember this. June 21st, uh, June 20th and 21st, Al Cowens of the Detroit Tigers yep. gets a single off of uh, Ed Farmer, and instead of going to first base, he takes a left turn and goes to the mound and, and, and attacks yeah. him and, and, and beats him up. And this was revenge for when Farmer had hit him in the jaw and had taken him out. Uh, it fractured his jaw, and he missed 21 games as a result when he was with the Royals. And then they ended up issuing a warrant 
for Cowan's arrest in Chicago. Yes. And I had never yeah. heard about this. Do you I remember re- this? Well, first of all, it's the genesis of why I hate the White, the, the White Sox. I, I, wow. I started hating and I've never stopped hating the White Sox from that very event. And now there's another backstory here. And, and what there was, so there was other players involved in this uh, rhubarb, if you will, besides uh, just Cowan's and Farmer. Farmer, I don't care what anybody says, and we've got listeners here that are White Sox fans. Ed Farmer is a dick. There's just no other way. And he was on the mound. He, he, uh, either before this or right after this, he hit Enos Cabell, who was, he weighed mm-hmm. about 130 pounds, Enos Cabell, when he played. And he, he just, he, he took Cabell out so much so that Lance Parrish, who was our bodybuilding catcher, who was one of the one yeah. of the badasses of the American League? Let me tell you, there was very few men in the American League that could take him in a fight, um, and and Parrish took exception to it, and, and because Farmer's a big boy, and 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 Parrish went out and and just put put as much of a beating as you can in, in a baseball fight, which is almost kind of silly whenever you see guys in baseball fighting, um, but. That was all around the time of that Cowens thing. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I thought to myself, well, who are these guys on the White Sox? These guys are sons of bitches. What is and, – and to this day, I, I, even in 2005 when I spent most of the year underneath my bed wondering why is this team going to win the World Series? I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, it's, it's molded me as that, that particular event with Cowens and then subsequently I believe it was with Cabell right after that with Farmer. When the next time Farmer came back to Detroit, he tried those shenanigans again and Perry said, that's it, enough of this. And, and that was no, it. Yeah. By the way, that was it. That ended it right then and there. Um, but I, I've, I've never liked the White Sox ever since, ever. It doesn't matter what well, they do. I don't till, till you put me in a box, I will never like the White Sox. I'll be professional on this show in analyzing them, uh, and I think they have a fairly decent future. And these players today have nothing to do with that, but I can't stand them. And maybe what I can't stand more is their fans. They're all they're yeah. all single digit IQ people. Well, they are they are the biggest soreheads uh, of, of of any fans yep. in baseball. Uh, not all of them. Bunch of mouth breathing Trump it. supporters. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. All right. All right. All right. So if you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at uh, you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. I want to shout out to uh, a friend of ours on the West Coast or in Reno, Richard Eilenberger. Thank you for listening. And to my brother in law, Michael Barul, thank you. Yeah. Tom, it's always been great and uh, have a good day. Hey, enjoy, okay. enjoy yourself uh, with your, uh, your daughter today and have a great t- game right. at the Reds. Go Cubs. All right, we're go Cubs.